Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. We are joined today by Brittany Gardner. She is the host of the Know, Like, and Trust Show podcast and creator of the Uncommon Content Framework. She helps established solo-ish business owners craft evergreen content that nurtures an always-ready pipeline with measurable, effective content plans. So I love content. I'm definitely a content creator, so I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to help your listeners and see what we can do together. Awesome. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about your story, kind of how you got started in this and maybe a little bit about why why you love content and why that's such a passion for you. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, too long didn't read version of my story is I started out in photography and as I was creating brand photos for my clients, they were kind of like, these are beautiful photos, but what do I do with them? And thus content was born. So I have a history and some you know branding and graphic design. And I kind of went back to those roots and figured out how people could use their photos in more than just, you know, the hero image on their website. Like, what are we doing with our content that allows people to actually get their eyes on our website in the first place? And that's how I ended up in content. And uh been there for about six years now. I love that. What would you say is like your favorite type of content to create? Oh, yes. Uh, written form of any kind is going to always be <laughs> my favorite. I fought long and hard when TikTok came on the playing field and everyone moved and said, you know, short form video, that is the way. And I was like, hard pass. Nope. <laughs> and to be very fair and clear here, I do do that. It's part of what I what I you know create for myself and what I offer my clients now but written content is always going to be my favorite it's where I feel like I can express myself really well it's where I feel like I've gained the highest quality leads for my business and I do believe in it very strongly I love that that's I, I feel like all the introverts listing are like oh that sounds good to me <laughs> yes right <laughs> yeah and I, I love content because it's like there are so many ways to create content and so many platforms, so many methods, like it, it's just, there's no one way to do it, which I find really appealing. I think not only is that appealing, like you said, but it gives a bit of, I don't know, almost like a, a boost of encouragement and a pat on the back, right? So yes, you want to be where your audience, your best client is hanging out. And that is very important for the long-term success of your business. Absolutely. But there's this other side of it that I think a lot of people who give instruction on content really fail to not only acknowledge, but to embrace in any way, which is you have to be comfortable creating the kind of content that you're creating as well. So, you know, maybe your audience is like a TikTok heavy audience. 
how can you be on TikTok in a way that helps you as however you want to show up, be not only comfortable, but but really shine? Because if you hate it, I promise people can tell. Like, I mean, one of the biggest pieces of sales advice ever is smile when you're talking on the phone, right? Like, why does that matter? It matters because people can get that energy, that vibe, whatever you want to call it. And you have to be able to create content in a way that feels good to you and feels good to your audience. And finding that match, it it might take a little bit of work, but when you find it, it's gold. Yeah, I, I can totally say that that's true because I forced myself to do reels and like short form video and it was so terribly awkward. <laughs> like, this is not how, like, I feel like there's two kinds of camps. It's like, either it's totally not for you or maybe you just need to keep doing it and get more comfortable with it and increase your confidence. Like I was that way with the podcast, like my first, I'm going to say like dozen episodes, I feel like we're definitely not as, I wasn't as confident as I maybe am now that we're in like season three. For sure. I had uh, Jeremy Enns on my podcast, gosh, it was probably almost a year ago now, but he's someone who offers help with people who want to you know grow their podcast show and everything. And he said something in our interview that's really stuck with me to this day, which is, you know, at about 100 episodes, you've kind of hit your groove of anything. And now that's with a podcast, that's with a video, that's with a blog post writing, it doesn't matter what kind of content we're talking about. But at 200 episodes, you're like, not just hitting your groove, not hitting your stride, you are excelling, you are, are building upon all that work that you've done. And there is something to be said about practicing and getting more comfortable you know, I do reels and things like that now. I don't love it still, but I've also found a way that I can do it that makes me feel okay with it. So I just often do a talking head style short form video, right? I don't worry about matching it with music. I certainly am not dancing, <laughs> but you know, like that that's something that I am comfortable with. After years of being an online entrepreneur, I've gotten comfortable with myself on video. and. When it comes to like not talking head videos, I've just kind of approached it with like the dry, sarcastic kind of way. Like I play the trending sound or whatever we are, and I just kind of look at the camera and I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And now here's the caption I want you to read. Like, you know? mm-hmm. and, and I work with that. It makes it, you know, not so bad for me. And I don't mind showing up like that. I still prefer written form. So I make that video as close to written form as I personally can, but it doesn't matter what we're doing. Those first dozen or so, they're going to feel pretty, pretty hairy. And I, I mean, I didn't, I don't think I listened to the entire first year of my podcast. I hated hearing my voice <laughs> in audio form. I was not a fan. You know? I can, I can relate to that. Yeah. I would, I finally went back and I listened to, cause we dropped the first four episodes when we launched and I was like, okay, I'm going to go listen to these first four episodes. And it was really shocking how how different they felt. Like in the moment, it was just like, oh, I just want to do this. I want to get these done. I want to launch this podcast. I've been wanting to do it for years. But just even my my energy and my voice, it was, I still say I'm a lot. That's just who I am. <laughs> but it, it was just a totally different kind of energy listening back. I don't think I'll do that again. But <laughs> That's fair. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) So what are your top tips for creating a content plan that is actually 
going to align with like how you want to show up, attract your audience, speak to your audience? Yeah. Well, you've already heard the first one. I mean, I gave you the, the preview there, right? Find a way of creating content that is in the right place for your audience. And, and that requires some audience research, of course, but find a way of creating content that feels good to you, that you can commit to. And and this is, it's like one of those like feelings-based things that the, the business first, you know, style coaches totally miss out on. You are a person and yes, you're running a business, but you are a person and your, your, your personhood has things that go along with it. And some of those things are going to be your anxiety. Some of those things are going to be your lack or abundance of time to deal with things. Some of those things are going to be your, your general energy, right? And all of those things come together and either stop or encourage you to create content on a regular basis. So your number one job to create content, your number one job before you actually create the plan is to figure out what you can commit to. And you have to be honest with yourself here. I'm in a season right now where I don't have regular childcare. I have a five-year-old and an 11-year-old. The 11-year-old's fine. He can entertain himself all day long. But my my five-year-old is, is high energy. He has anxiety. I'm homeschooling him because he would not do well in the classroom setting. And as a result, I don't have very much closed door office time like I used to. And even a year ago, I was telling people I only worked 15 to 20 hours a week. If I'm being really honest with you, I'm not working that much right now. And as a result, I have to honestly look at my life and say, what can I consistently commit to on a time basis for content creation? Everything else stops and starts right there. It doesn't matter if I want to do X, Y, and Z. If I don't have time to do that consistently, I won't be able to be consistent. Now, I'm giving you a hard time boundary here, right? But that same boundary exists with all the other facets of your life. Do you hate showing up, not looking in whatever you would call your camera ready way? If you refuse to show up on camera, if you're doing video type things without having a certain like outfit on or having a certain level of, you know, makeup and hair done, you're not going to do it. You'll find every excuse and the reason, including like flossing to prevent yourself <laughs> from actually doing that. I promise you it will happen. So maybe that's something that you need to consider. Maybe doing any kind of content creation, whether you're showing up on camera or writing or doing an audio thing, just takes all the energy out of you. That's a real part of who you are. And you need to acknowledge that. What's going to be the amount that you're able to do? And how can you stack the rest of your day to give you that energy so that you can do what you need to do to be, again, consistent with your content? So that's the first thing that you need to do before you even make the plan. How much are you going to be able to consistently commit to on a weekly basis? And I, I always design things in weeks because to me, it's, a, it's an easy like start-stop. Maybe you do it in months. Maybe you batch a whole bunch and you just feel better that way. But for sake of argument, let's just call it weeks here. For me, I know I can commit to probably two short form videos a week, one podcast, and then a blog post that's created from said podcast. That is what I do. Everything else from that point comes from those two main things that I am doing. And I know I can commit to that even in the hairiest of weeks. So that's what my content plan is based around. 
every time I work with a new client, that's where we start the conversation. What can you commit to? I don't need to hear your excuses or reasons on why you can't do something. And I'm not going to judge you for them. You know, we've, we've got our limits. So what can you commit to? And then we start from there. I love that. Cause everyone says like, we always hear consistency, consistency, but that looks so different to everyone based on the season that you're in things that are going on in your life. Like I'm just like listening to you share about that. I'm like, you know, right now it's totally different, but right now I have a dog who is mostly paralyzed due to medication. And if he's not in the room with me, he will bark nonstop. I have to like carry him everywhere. It's a lot of work and it's hard for me to actually do calls right now. So I've had to like scale that back. So for me, I feel like a call is a kind of form of content too. I'm like, whether it's a one-on-one or a group call, I'm like, I don't have the same capacity right now to do as many. Yeah. And capacity is a, it's a real thing. (laughs) And I feel like so many people just kind of like breeze that word in here and like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. You'll figure out your capacity, but you also need to be doing X, Y, Z, right? I don't like that kind of stuff. We are life first entrepreneurs. And, you know, I, I personally created my business because it fit around my life, not the other way around. And I'm, I refuse to apologize for that. that. That's how I operate. I am not like the person who wants to scale her business to seven figures. I'll never be that person. I'm really far more motivated by my actual life. Maybe I, you know, just want to cook a whole bunch of new things and that those ingredients cost a lot of money. Yeah, they take money. I need to work to make that happen. But that's where I'm at. I love that. Yeah. I've I've said to my audience several times, my aspirations are not to become a million dollar business. <laughs> and that's just, that's I want it to be fun and flexible and free. And I can't see me scaling to that point where it is that still. So <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but people will call that limited beliefs, but I that's not the case. <laughs> it's just, like you said, we are doing this for flexibility, for freedom to build our business around our life, not the other way around. Yeah. I don't, I don't view it as limited beliefs. I personally view it as a difference in values. Mm -hmm. We're allowed to be different people. It's cool. I love that. Yeah. We're totally aligned on our values. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's hard to find people who, who are aligned in that kind of thinking because we hear about all this like making 100k months, million dollar business, multi-million. I'm like, yeah, that's that's not really what I want. <laughs> like it's yeah, exactly. So, what is your advice around because I know when it comes to content, there's a thing about like putting out content that is going to filter out people who are not right for you. And I I feel like especially I I hear this a lot with email marketing where people are like, "Oh, I had like so many unsubscribes." Like that's okay. They're not your people. They're they're not the right people. It's okay for them to excuse themselves and leave the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I and actually the way you just said that was perfect. It's okay for people to excuse themselves and leave the room, right? So, since I'm talking to largely introverts here, I can say this and I know it will fall on ears that are receptive. Sometimes you're in a room and it's just feeling hard and you want to take a quick breather, maybe you ask your host where the restroom is, you know, whatever it is, right? But you're doing that because whatever's going on in the room is not serving you. And I I view all content, specifically social media and email marketing in the same fashion, right? 
anybody can hop on my blog and get content advice that is meant for them as a solo-ish service provider. I make a big deal about talking about the fact that my content is not meant for like tech startups or software as a service companies. And I I don't know how to say this nicely, so I'm just going to be blunt about it, right? <laughs> most <for> content <laughs> advice out there, most of it is meant for those people, for like the tech startups, for the people who have a team of 10, for the people who, yes, are actually churning out 100 blog posts a month. That is the content advice you are getting out there if you're searching for content marketing or if you're typing into you know, Google or Bing or Bard or wherever you're typing these days, if you're typing anything, you're getting content advice that's been aggregated for people like that. And we are not people like that. So leaving the room is really important in those cases. The problem is we don't always know when to leave the room. And, you know, if I go to like digitalmarketer.com, that's the big one, right? And I'm, you know, typing into like a social media plan for Instagram, or if I'm typing into it, a blog plan for a small business, I can hope that it's going to give me something that's actually meant for me, you know, small business, i.e. micro business, i.e. person of one with two VAs. Yeah. More likely it's going to give me a small business, which, you know, the SBA defines as anywhere between 50 and 100 employees is still small. So how do I know when to leave the room? That's the big question. And we, as very small service providers, we absolutely need to give those markers in our content. When we don't, people don't know when to leave the room. And it's our job. It's our job to give them those, those clues. I generally get about two unsubscribes from every email that I send out. If I don't get any, and I notice it, I don't always notice it, but if I don't get any, I tend to go back and look at the email and I was like, did I not give anyone a marker? Was I too bland? Did I not give them a clue as to why this might not be a good fit for them? And sometimes, you know, it's just like the kind of message that doesn't lend itself to that kind of thing. And that's fine. Other times, I didn't. I didn't package my my link up very well. I didn't say, this is for you if. And sometimes I did say that. And maybe everyone that happened to open the email that day actually fit. We're good. Or maybe they opened it and didn't bother reading to it yet. Who knows, right? It's like, but you know, when I when I see a big amount of unsubscribes, there's a an email I send out as part of my welcome sequence. I think it's like the fourth or fifth one. And it is, let's just be really clear, it is designed to get people to unsubscribe if they don't like my, you know, kind of under the radar low like wit. I generally can tell when I've had a big influx to my list because about five weeks later, when they hit that email in the welcome sequence. I get a slew of unsubscribes. And that email is designed specifically to do that. I don't want them to keep being on my list and start associating my name with something that's kind of uncomfortable, but I don't really know why and all that. So I have that that, that gatekeeper in there. And you don't have to do that with every message. Like that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying to be controversial just to be controversial. I'm saying it's our job to give people a clue as to when it's time for them to leave the room. If I'm not serving you, I don't need you to clutter your inbox. You've got enough things going on there. In the same way, you know, your Instagram feed, your LinkedIn feed, it's got enough noise. If something about me is putting you off from a personality point of view, then I don't want to work with you and you don't want to work with me. It's an equal situation. Unfortunately, it's on them to be the one that instigates leaving the room. So I want to give them really clear markers on how to do that. That said, 
there are times you're going to lose subscribers or followers, even though you could have been great to work with each other. And it's really important to know that that's also okay. There's going to be some people who slip through the radar. You know, um, when you're at the grocery store, you're looking at various different products. And sometimes it's truly like a luck of the draw as to which one you buy. Every person who sells anything out there understands that that's just going to happen sometimes. You could have had a great client and they went somewhere else and it's going to happen and that's okay. Yeah. And I think like um, one thing I've noticed too, I've started to get a lot more people who they've been on my list somehow and then they unsubscribe, they let themselves out. And then months later, they purchase something. And then because I use Thrivecart, it doesn't automatically re-add them if they've previously unsubscribed. So then they reach out, like, I just bought this and I didn't get an email. So we have to go look. And so we see that we're like, oh, okay, yeah, you were here. Like you unsubscribed like last year. <laughs> so it, it's interesting to see how many times people will come and go too, as it fits, like we're all in seasons. So maybe it wasn't the right season for them. But if you have lots of content and ways to attract people, then, you know, when it's the right time, they might find their way back to you. Absolutely. And, you know, and there's, there's going to be both, right? There's going to be people who unsubscribe because they're very into like inbox zero and they just don't want a lot of emails coming in. And then they see, you know, your product mentioned on a Facebook post, or they happen to catch you over on a LinkedIn post that you actually put out, right? That's going to happen. On the flip side, the opposite will also happen. People are going to hang out on your list, never open your email for eight months, and then buy something. And, you know, there are times we all end up in our analytical, like, rabbit hole. You're like, I'm sorry, you've never opened an email. How did you even find the thing to buy? Like, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? These are just normal behaviors. We're, we're people. We're quirky. We do weird things. Mm -hmm. And I love that you have that email kind of strategically in your welcome sequence, because I feel like it's kind of the opposite of what everyone talks about when it comes to email specifically. It's all about, like, list building, grow your list, grow your, I'm like, yeah, but I don't, it, it's kind of like social media followers. It's like a vanity metric. And I find that if I send an email, the emails that get the most unsubscribes usually also get the most replies because it's really doing its job repelling. And then the people who are resonating with, with it are actually like opening it, reading it, replying about how amazing it was. And I'm like, yeah, this this makes sense. This email delivered what I wanted. Yes, I could just look at the data and be like, oh my gosh, this email had like 20 unsubscribes. Why? Like what was wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with it. It was actually pretty good because I got all the, like I repelled and I attracted. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here over here, like head nodding vigorously, <laughs> knowing that this video will never ever be used. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, anytime you get a strong enough response for someone to un unsubscribe. You're getting the same on the flip side. You're getting the strong enough response for people to be like, I knew I was here for a reason. Okay, good. Let's keep going. I love this so much. I, I, I feel like you kind of approach content in a different way. Than, and this is why it's so unique and why I was so excited to have you on the podcast. So I would love for you to share where everyone can find you, connect with you, maybe talk about like how your offers or how you work with clients. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're looking for me on the web, uh, my website's the best place, BrittanyGardner.com. Spell it B-R-I-T-N-E-Y. If you send me an email, do not write B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. I get very mad since my name's right there in the domain. That tells you a lot about my personality right there, actually. 
that's where you can find me online. I also hang out on LinkedIn for social media. But uh, if you want to work with me, I have a couple of different ways. I have a DIY, a done with you and a done for you option. So I have a course if you want to learn all about my content philosophies. And you can do that entirely on your own. I also really love helping people create content plans that just do what we've been talking about, fit their lifestyle. I like designing them in content sprints, 12-week run, where it is pretty intense for about 12 weeks. We create a lot of content, but it gives you the opportunity to step back in seasons of life when you can't be showing up as as regularly and consistently. And I know we didn't talk a whole lot about that on the show, but that is something I believe pretty strongly in. And I call that Evergreen and Elevate. We create content so that you always have good things as the foundation of your business that you can fall back on. I love that. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of evergreen content, batching, repurposing, having content ready to go because I never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and we'll have all of your links in the show notes so everyone can go check that out and connect with Brittany. And also I want to plug your podcast again because the No Like and Trust Show, it's an amazing podcast. So definitely go and subscribe to that as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I know this is going to be such a good episode. And I think we've kind of talked about content in a, in a different way than most people talk about it. And I think it's going to really resonate, especially with introverts who want to create more consistent content, want to be more strategic with it. And yeah, this was just such a good conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited for our our listeners here to just know that they can do this in a way that feels good to them. To me, that's the most important part. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.